Hi, and welcome to the sixth episode of Cycles Podcast. I'm Jake Warner, Cycles CEO and founder. This is Chris Obushan, our Director of Customer Success. And today we have Brandon Gaudier from BDG Web Design. Uh, I guess to start off, uh, let's, it'd be awesome to hear what BDG is, uh, what, what kind of projects you work on, and uh, just, yeah, diving right in. Sure. Uh, so BDG is my company. I started when I was in college. Uh, was always really curious in why web stuff worked, you know, pop the hood, see how things work. Started out as a hobby and then kind of slowly took over my life. Uh, I was working at, uh, at a hospital right out of college, doing a lot of systems integration stuff, uh, and eventually left there to do BDG full-time about be nine years or so, November. Uh, since then, we've grown to a team of five now. Uh, we like to focus on real custom uh, web solutions, web and mobile apps particularly. Um, we kind of saw the writing on the wall about five years ago when everybody can go build their own websites. Everybody has a cousin who does a simple WordPress site. You know, there's a lot of inexpensive ways to get up and started. Um, and we really found that custom solutions really drive us, uh, finding out uh, issues for businesses in particular and, and then scoping and building uh, a particular project for that to create these efficiencies for these businesses. That really, you know, really got us going and, and really uh, it's fulfilling. So. And so, so with the custom development projects that you do, is there any specific niche that you kind of found your sweet spot in? Uh, you know, there's, <laughs> there's a few of them. Um, scheduling is always a big one. Anytime you're talking about getting two different parties in a particular place at a, at a specific time, uh, that's always a challenge. So we've built some custom scheduling apps for people. Um, you know, a lot of different things that have different user roles where you have admins and general users and managers, uh, you know, those kind of things have really, really been kind of our bread and butter too. Got it. And uh, from previous conversations, you, you uh, I, I just, you know, uh, just the, our, our conversations, uh, we already know that uh, that uh, you, you do both mobile and web. Uh, can you dive into that uh, in, in uh, uh, how much of the projects that you work on are mobile, how many are, are web, how many are hybrid of both of those? Sure. Um, and uh, it, it'd be great to hear. Um, about some of the, the tech stacks that you've uh, decided that you've opted to use as part of those. Sure. So we've built uh, 29 mobile apps. We have six more in the pipeline now. Um, of those 29, about two of them were mobile only. Uh, the majority of the other ones have a mobile-facing uh, app for the end users, and then web dashboards for admins or other user roles. Um, a good example of that is we actually have a. a company out that's out in Nebraska that has a very, they do uh, electrical work on pivots for the fields and their techs are out in the field all the time. So their techs are using the mobile app to troubleshoot and enter parts and time. And then there's admins that have the web dashboard to approve the work and integrates with QuickBooks and all that stuff too. Um, as far as our tech stack goes, uh, PHP, my SQL for server stuff. Uh, we're using a lot of Linux setup. And then for the end user, we use a combination of Angular and or React based on, based on the need or the, you know, the requirement of the project. Excellent. And so I remember uh, back in 2018, so, so Brandon was one of uh, the first clients that we had ever brought on to Cycle. Back when, I don't even know if Cycle was like publicly it was like, not. live yet. Yeah, you were showing me like back in. And uh, I remember during our, our, our first meeting, uh, we, were, we were doing some sort of test deployment or we were just in that early phase of, of, of you know, seeing what we could get online. And I believe we had something crash right in the middle. We did. Uh, and uh, uh, I mean, it's crazy how much has changed with the the platform and in, uh, in the what was that three years, three and a half years or so since yeah. then. 
Um, but but yeah, so I remember during that same meeting, um, it was it was uh, we were talking about uh, containers and uh, you know just the adoption of containers and the value uh, that they can bring in. So um, since that meeting, how have, how have containers impacted how you've built uh, the projects at VDG and uh, and have uh, I, I guess simply that. Yeah, so containers, I mean, like you said, you guys have come so far. Every time I log in, I feel like there's, oh, look at this new thing. Or Chris is like, hey, this is coming soon. You know, make sure you check this out. Um, so, you know, containers have really helped us kind of kind of change mentalities about infrastructure. Uh, before, you know, we would have a server that ran several projects, and you would tweak something, and something would break, and, you know, all these different things that would go on. You try to um, maintain, like, PHP across all yeah, the exactly. projects. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, let's go 7.3, yeah. and then, you know, everything breaks. Uh, you know, so containers really help you get that specific stack real quickly, um, just quicker deployment. And then you guys, from a support standpoint, I mean, there's been times where I'm like, hey, I need this. And I've never had that experience where like, okay, we're on it. Like, both of you at the same time, <laughs> we're on it, which is pretty incredible. Same keyboard. So, probably. <laughs> yeah. You guys are sharing yeah, the keyboard. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, uh, you know, it's really helped us. Help, it helps us plan a little better, too. We, we know the cost. We know how it works. Um, yeah, so that's... And so, uh, so walk me, uh, walk me through your pre-cycle days of how you were managing infrastructure at that point. Um, I don't know if we've actually even ever had this conversation. Yeah. I know that we had talked about transitioning the cycle, but what did things look like before cycle? Uh, so we used a lot of, we used a, sh a lot of shared servers that would run multiple websites at the same time. Uh, then we kind of moved on to virtual servers that you can still run multiple sites at the same time. Um, you know, we still have some instances of that where there are simpler projects that don't require a whole lot. Um, but we would have five or six of these virtual servers with a handful of projects throughout that you'd have to like, okay, that one's on this server and that one's on this server and that one has this setting and that one has this setting and it gets pretty tangled pretty quickly. Was that back, uh, were you using uh, cPanel, C, uh, cPanel or Plusk back then? Yeah, we were using cPanel and WHM is typically what we use for those. Got games. it. And so, uh, so, so moving from that into to now using Cycle. Um, so one of the things that we, with, with Cycle, we, we don't have SSH built into uh, at least being able to connect to the node, right? You can connect to your instances, but you can't connect to the, the server. Um, have you had any pains or any, like how has that impacted you? Because uh, it's, it's something that when, I, I guess some, some context here is when we have new companies talking to us, the first thing those companies usually ask us, how can I connect directly to the server? And when we say, well... Pretty you, sure I asked you the same question. Yep. You, I, I think you did. I <laughs> 100% think you did. did. And, and, and you know, very quickly it transitions into the concept uh, or into the, the conversation around you, you shouldn't need to. The whole goal of Cycle is that we're managing these hosts for you. You can still deploy whatever technologies you want on top of them. You can still use containers, you know, obviously, et cetera. Um, but uh, you should never need SSH into that actual server itself. Um, has, uh, you know, can you speak to your experience of, of that within BDG? Is that something that you found yourself missing at all? Or is it something that you don't, you've, after that kind of initial step, you realize that there was no need for it? it? Yeah, it's, it's exactly right. It was kind of the light bulb. It was like, oh, wait, you don't need it if you do this, right? Because we were used to doing everything, you know, go, go, go. And it's just so easy. You don't have to, you don't need it. No, uh, and uh, it's good to hear because, like, it's just again one of those adoption things that when you know we've tried to take a, a bit of a different approach when with building cycle, and uh, I, th I think initially a lot of people are like hesitant when we say, well, do not SSH access to the nodes, but it is it is because of that that allows us to I think these updates sometimes. So there's two reactions. There's oh maybe I don't need it. Your reaction, um, and then there's the person that's somewhat panicking that they might not have it and then you show them the two-way console 
and then they'll you know kind of feel at ease it's like oh you still have access to do administration tasks on this process you know in this container it's just you're not sshing onto the server so uh, those are the two the two reactions I've observed, and, and one of them is a little bit panicked at first. I think and I had both of those see, reactions. They see that demo. <laughs> I think I did both yeah. of those. I'm sure because in 2018 we didn't have the two-way console. Right. Yeah, I don't think. Not, we, I think we because had, I think we, we that was pre-pack. Uh, I think you guys had it from, for you. I think yeah. you guys had access, but the customers didn't. Yeah. Well, we had we had output of the container, but we right. didn't have yes, the two-way exactly. console. Right. Yes. Exactly. Yep. Yep. Because that was a huge one when we released that, and everyone was like, whoa, that is really neat. Even to today, the two-way console is my favorite feature in, in Cycle. Uh, just, I, I love the fact that, I, you know, like, I mean, with, with, with the two-way console, you're able to SSH into those containers, right? But we did not open any ports. We did not, I mean, you have to deal with, you know, copying SSH keys yep. or, you know, managing passwords. Uh, it's, it's, it's just it's my favorite feature. Like, it's so simple, right? I love when you smile when you talk about yeah. cycle. <laughs> like, I love it. It's so simple. You get this simple, look on your face, like, it's the best uh, thing ever. Yeah. Well, I mean, I it's it. neat because, like, I mean, we, we've demoed that feature to people who, you know, built Docker and people who, you know, are fundamental to Kubernetes, and they're like, why didn't we think of that, right? And so it's just, it just feels good. But anyway, uh, you know, <laughs> d d d uh, jumping back to, to BDG, um, so you're talking about you know the different niches of the products that you're working on or the the products that you've built. Yep. Uh, you, you know, we we talked about how um, you know, you, uh, you work on both mobile and web, um, and so you had mentioned that for you know with with the web projects that you're working on, uh, your tech stack right now is mainly PHP. Uh, you use MySQL, and uh, what does that look like from a development process um, in terms of you know, so your, your developers are writing code. Uh, you have an update ready. Um, what's what what happens next? Uh, how how have you found the process that works best for your team? Sure. So I'll do I'll go mobile apps specifically for this one. Um, so mobile apps, you have the back end for the data and all that stuff. Then you have the front end, which you need to submit to both Apple and Android for uh, approval. Both of which have their own different timelines. We actually we actually submitted an update yesterday that was approved by Apple in 42 minutes. Never seen that fast before. Usually it's a day and a half, two days, but I couldn't believe it. Um, so typically what we do is we get the back end ready, uh, re-image, get it ready, and then as soon as those are approved, we can ma you can manually release them at the same time, and then we would re-image our container for the back end. That's specific if we have like an API level change, uh, that's, that is also relative to the front end. Sometimes we do them independently of each other to, based upon you know, what the update is, uh, but Cycle gives us that flexibility to do that pretty, pretty easily and, and efficiently. Have you tested our, our pipelines functionality? You know, Chris showed it to me a couple weeks ago. Uh, yeah, I brought it up about four or five times. I was randomly. like this. And uh, <laughs> I finally, yeah, we finally got we, to go yeah. through and, and do one. Yeah, we did build one. And you were like, wow, I've been asking for that for a while. Yeah, thanks. And, uh, you know, it, usually, like you said, three weeks of we're, my life. Pretty, we're pretty fast about things, but that was such a big feature. That, was, yeah, it's a big I one. mean, we spent a lot of time kind of almost philosophizing over the idea of pipelines. Um, and then well, and they're so flexible too. Just the way you guys have it, like this triggers this, this triggers that. Boom, mm -hmm. go done. Like you can go all the way down from I'm pushing a repo to I'm reimaged. Yeah, have well, you hooked it into it yet? We did. Uh, what did we do? We I don't. I don't remember if it was a Docker file. I think it might have been. I think it was a Docker file. So um, that's the Great thing. And when I show, I, I honestly like when I show current users the uh, pipeline plus Docker file plus reimage, it's becoming a more of a like intense aha moment than two-way console is so we might have a contender uh from our side that, absolutely for, that top, <laughs> for, for yeah. knowing how much time it took for me to go through those steps mm -hmm. to know that i can go right 
Yeah, and then now with with trigger keys and the you know, the fact that you can just hook that up into a small script on your local machine, yep. and then all of a sudden your dev environment's updated or you know, your prod environment if you want to you know, push, push, push it that yeah. way. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> if you want to just you know push straight to prod you know, on a Friday afternoon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's the confidence. That should be a T-shirt. We should get those. Cycle the confidence to push to prod on Friday afternoon. I like that. Oh God. From a, yeah, from a dev standpoint. Is that like too that much was... text? No, I would, I'd wear that. <laughs> Absolutely. Let's co-brand that. Suddenly, every enterprise co company we're talking to is like, goodbye. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyways, so without context, um, that might seem like a, a lot of random things there. Pipelines specifically are, are ways to automate steps on Cycle. Um, for more information, uh, we do have a nice write-up in our, in our documentation. Um, or reach out to me on our Slack. Um, if you wanted some follow-up information on that, if it sounds really cool, we'd love to uh, dive into it and talk about it. It's awesome. Um, but before I derailed that, you had asked a question, and it was about using um, pipelines. And we had said that you know you had used the one that we set up. Mm -hmm. and we weren't sure, but the Docker file being the source and abstracting the actual building of the container, I think that part is the part where people are like, wow. That is so fun to not build, push, pull, re-image compared to you know, what most people have to do, which is using a registry of some kind, Yep. right? And then pushing to the registry, pulling to whatever server they're on, re-imaging that container with whatever orchestrator they're using. If it's Cycle, it's much easier. Um, comma. <laughs> comma. If it's cycle, it's much easier. Comma. Um, <laughs> So I'm excited to see you use that across, you know, because you have a kind of a growing portfolio of yep. projects on the platform. Yep, we got a couple coming as well. That's exciting. Anything? Well, I guess you can't get too deep into it. Can't but. tell everything. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, we got a, We got a big, good-sized mobile and, and web app coming up in the next uh, probably seven, eight weeks. So we'll be right. leveraging Cycle for you. And, and jumping back to pipelines for a second, uh, okay. one of the things you mentioned something that okay. that got me started to think uh, and. Um, it's specifically around Docker Hub, right? So, like before, uh, so before you were using pipelines, were you storing everything on Docker Hub and then pulling it over? Correct. Um, and so uh, we've had uh, we, we've 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 had a number of people reach out to us saying that um, because, like, I don't know if you're if you if you've hit the limit yet, but Docker Hub uh, or Docker it's not, placed yeah. limits on Docker Hub. I think earlier this year, mm -hmm. uh, where you can have. I, I mean, I don't want to throw out a, a, a number because I might be wrong, but I mean, they greatly limited the number of pulls you can pull uh, from, uh, or sorry, images you can pull from from Docker per Docker Hub per day, um, unless you're paying for it now. And so, uh, one of the neat things about having uh, the process that we've set up, where you, especially with the pipelines, where you build and then directly that's already stored on Cycle. Um, we've had com some companies realize that they didn't need to pay for Docker Hub anymore either because there was no pulls. It was just everything was just already inherently on the platform. And so, uh, as you were, as you've been going through your portfolio, is that something that you've encountered yet, uh, where you've hit that gap? We did. We hit it once. Um, we were kind of sprinting to get something done, and we had a we had a handful of pulls. I forget how many it was too, but yeah, it was like, oh, I guess we're gonna finish this tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, oh. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's I mean, it's, it's scary. That, I mean, that, I mean that's impacted so many people. But at the same time, companies that have multiple servers, I mean, I'm not just saying like one or two servers, but um, let me take a step back. Not necessarily multiple servers, but if you're using like Docker or Kubernetes or things on multiple servers, um, suppose you have 100 servers and you say, I want to pull a copy of this image to you know each of these servers. Each of those servers will perform that pull directly, right? So pulling one image might put you over that cap. 
right? Uh, where the way that we built Cycle is that it's just everything is pulled into that one data source and we just distributed it all. I just realized I haven't told you about this feature yet. Oh. It just was released. It's API only. Um, I hope this is already released. It should be. It's the uh, ability to pre-tell the servers about the image. You yeah. know, so I, in hopes of both uh, having this be super interesting, because I, I think it is, and me not telling him the wrong information about this, um, I think that, that that's a kind of a cool addition to, to what you're talking about now. Yeah, so one of the neatest things that, uh, or one of the things that Cycle does that kind of stands apart from, I think, uh, a lot of other platforms is we run what is called the internal API. And I don't know if you actually has used the internal API Just yet. a few times, I think, with you. Uh, but, so the internal API is uh, an API that, um, the internal API is an API that uh, is mounted into containers, right? And so instead of it being like something that, you know, you'll write code that'll interact with it publicly, you know, like, oh, again, a public container, it's actually a Unix socket mounted into your containers. And so you can use that internal API to ask for information about the container itself, to ask for information about the environment. That way you have a, you know, very rich data, but it's literally the container just using its own, you know, literally a Unix socket to ask for that information. Uh, but recently we added the ability to uh, have a container. Um, so you can, you can take a container um, and soon we'll be able to apply access rules to these containers, right? So you can have a container, you can apply a conductor rule to it, and then the conductor rule is pretty much saying this container is allowed to make changes to the underlying server that it's on. And so it's neat because, um, uh, and I don't know if any of the projects that you're working on right now would, would necessarily utilize this feature, but suppose you, you were building a, a, a product that um, you were constantly needing to scale up and scale down and you know you had a number of servers that you were deploying to, um, but not always would you have a container just ready to go on that server. Like you might have, you know, think of it, you know, like auto scaling, right? But using this internal API, you could make a call back to Cycle and say, hey, even though I'm not using this image yet, download it to the server because I'm going to need it at some point. That way, instead of that long start time, right. it's just already there, and so uh, the start time for that container should be half a second. Um, and so that's something that yeah we we did add. I don't know if we put that in even docs yet. I didn't put it in uh, to the docs because the API was still being updated Got with it. that. And then, you know, there's some changes on as Grady is probably adding now as he crushes through some work back there. Wait. I'm sorry, what? Huh? <laughs> <laughs> um, but it will be. It'll be in docs very soon. Um, and I also need to double check that it's in the, the change log. Obviously, the uh, feature was released and is being used by some select people that are that are already implementing it. but. As you can think about it, it's like, wow, that's another you know, really flexible, maybe niche, um, useful tool uh, that's there, that's available, and it's you know pretty easy to implement, right? So, that's just a, add it. It's a pretty good reduction in start or, time. Yeah. yeah, I've seen it a couple times where it takes a dozen or so seconds, and then reduce it down to half a second. It's a pretty good reduction. Yeah, I mean, especially if you're if you're you know, if you have a product that you know uh, you have a container and during certain workloads you need to scale to a thousand copies of it, right? Mm -hmm. um, that's where it can be incredibly, incredibly valuable. Uh, but another feature that will be out uh, by the time this podcast is out uh, will be uh, environment secrets. Uh, have, have you have you filled Brandon on environment secrets? Yet? I haven't been talking about environment. <laughs> I just secrets. came on the podcast so I can get more information about what's coming out of the cycle. That's why I'm here. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> we'll jump back to BDG in a second, but yeah. we've gotten on a new feature. Yeah. Like, no, I'm good with this. Go ahead. Yeah. Uh, 
Uh, do you want me to talk about environment secrets? I can. Yeah, I, would, I think that as the architect, you are probably slightly more qualified. So, uh, so like right now you can you have you know, container environment variables, right? Yep. And so one of the features that we've had a, a, a number of uh, a number of uh, clients ask for is the ability to implement uh, secrets. And so secrets are like environment variables, except when you're in the portal, you can't you can no longer see the secrets, right? So it's like, hey, I have I have these environment variables. Uh, this is a MySQL database password, right? And I don't want if I if I hire other developers to work on a project, I don't want them to be able to see. I mean, I want them to know that that environment variable is there, but I don't want them to be able to see what the actual underlying secret is, right? Because I don't want them to copy that and run off of it. Um, and so we are releasing uh, this feature called, well, technically it's not even called environment secrets, it's called environment variables. But environment variables is, I mean, it's a little confusing. We might we might have to end up renaming it because like we have environment variables that are obviously the variables that you specify to a container, but now we're also releasing like environment scoped variables where suppose you had you know four or five different containers in that same environment that all needed to know what one you know one variable was right mm -hmm. um and so instead of you having to, like suppose you had like a debug mode for your containers and you wanted to enable debug mode across all of your containers at one point uh the idea is that now you can go into your environment go into variables say you know debug mode you know, equals true and now when you reset your containers, all of your containers would have, you know, that debug mode variable set instead of instead of uh, you having to go to each of your containers individually, go into environment variables uh, and changing it to, you know, it, 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 you know the environment uh, scope. Um, we might have to come up with a new name for that because now as I'm saying environment variables and also Yeah, I was just thinking of the impact that's going like, to have on documentation. That's what I always, that's what always hits my brain first. I'm like, oh, if we name it environment variables and environment variables already exist, how will I name these files? We'll have to name it like environment scoped variables yeah. or something. I don't know because like that's, I don't know what we'd name it because I don't want to put your favorites in the comments. <laughs> yeah, yeah, thank you. But I don't, I don't, <laughs> we'll I don't we'll that's actually a great there. idea. Yeah. If you know, if there's enough comments for one specific direction and it's not crazy, like, like, uh, I don't know what a bad idea. <laughs> I, I mean, you know, like the internet is pretty good at coming up with weird stuff. It always wins. We'll, yeah. we'll end up having variables named a variable, uh, like that, that, uh, that, that ship that was, uh, the, they ran the contest for in the UK a few years ago. It ended up with the name of Bodie McBoatface. <laughs> <laughs> um, wow, original. Yeah, but, um, <laughs> But yeah, we can't we, we can't call it environment secrets because not every variable in there will necessarily be a secret either. So that could be confusing on its own, right? I think this is actually one of the hardest parts of being a developer is naming things. Cascading environment variables. Yeah. I don't know. Well, 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 yeah, comments. It's not a bad um, one. Well, you know, CSS kind of play there. <laughs> you see that? Good. Well. And you can overwrite that, and we can put important. On the we, one? We that's the extent of my CSS now. And you're done. That's, that's it. it. That's, I'm out. I wrote that line this morning. Did you, important? Yeah. yeah. That's terrifying. Yeah. It was in, had, to, had to be done. It did. It's <laughs> <laughs> the first thing I do. That's why they don't let me open the uh, CSS files. Um, but, uh, okay, so, so let's, let's jump back to BDG. You know, we've talked about some new features, but, uh, you, you know, uh, t talking more about, about your company. So I'm guessing, well, Straight up, I've never asked this question, okay. but I'm guessing BDG is just your initials. Super original, it is. My, yeah, my middle initial is D. Yep. Okay. <laughs> yep, <laughs> super. Well, it's kind of funny. So my brother and my sister all have Bs, so we were all BG. So we all kind of, that's how we kind of identified ourselves when we did things was we had our middle initial and stuff. Really? Brian, Brian, Brandon, and Brett. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks, Mom and Dad. <laughs> so yeah, so it was, yeah, it was uh, just how we kind of did that. Got it. Uh, yeah, so I, mean, I bought my domain name, I think, in 2003 when I was in college still. Good Just, play. Yeah, had it for a long time. Yeah. Yeah.
no um and so 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 with the projects that you're working on uh and being a, a dev shop on cycle um so what is so i guess how do i want to word this question being a dev shop that is managing multiple projects at the same time um how has that experience been from a cycle perspective of uh well sorry, i don't i don't want to speak for you so I, I'll, sure. I'll stop there uh but i mean the the first thing that comes to mind is the hubs and be able to change those hubs real quick to to go back and forth to those projects that's made it so much easier i mean there's other platforms where you can switch between not necessarily platforms like yours but other things that you can try to switch between accounts or between it's just it's a nightmare you guys is like boop boop done um so yeah, that's that's what comes to mind first. And do you have any clients uh, that are using? Uh, so you know, we support uh, Equinix Metal, we support Vulture, and we support AWS. Um, and uh, are all of your projects on one provider, or oh, they're all on Equinox? Yeah. Okay, they're all on Equinox. All yeah. right. Um, and so that's one of the th when, when as you're talking about jumping between hubs, the first thing that happened, the kind of jumped into my mind was uh, was just the ability of, of standardization. The fact that you could have stuff sitting at AWS. Like if you had a client that was yep. like, "Hey, I really want to use AWS for this," um, and from your perspective, using Cycle, and from your developer's perspective, it wouldn't matter, right? Because we've standardized in the underlying infrastructure yep. so much that uh, it it gives your customers uh, you know full choice. Yep. Um, and, uh, so, I mean, it just, uh, technically, I, technically one of the projects that we're working on together, um, that we won't talk about yet cause it's in the works, but will be built for AWS, but you won't have to change anything um, right. in your development process. So that's pretty cool. Right. So at the end of the day, it's just basically the same dev process and because of the containers and the way cycle works, it really doesn't matter where it ends up. Nope. Uh, I, I love that. But it's specifically <laughs> it's specifically scoped to AWS because of uh, one of the contracts that they have on, on their end. So that customer is stuck with, I don't want to say stuck with, but <laughs> is using AWS. Yep. Sorry, AWS. <laughs> but, uh, no, so, I mean, it, it just needs to be able to, to dive into all that. And so um, I, I guess... You know, uh, yeah. As, as we begin to wrap uh, wrap up this this episode of the podcast, um, is there anything that and I'm, I'm no, I'm kind of putting you on the spot right now. But is there anything uh, that you've seen with, or is there anything that as you've been using Cycle that you've been like, I really wish the platform did X, or or on the on the opposite, is where uh, something is like, I didn't know I needed X, uh, and and you found that the platform had it. Um, yeah, so we'll, the first answer is pipelines, which now that it's out, it's been, I was like, because I, I remember asking, like, why do I have to go through all these steps? You're like, it's just the way it works. <laughs> and I'm not a big fan of it's, we've always done it that way, or it's just the way it works. Like, that's kind of, I meant, that's, I don't like that mentality. Yeah. So then that, now that, that you guys have pipelines out, you know, I'm excited to, to really leverage that. Uh, and then I think to answer your second question is really the ability to re-image, to go backwards in time if you need to, for whatever reason. We've done it a handful of times where we push something out. For some reason, a bug gets caught or whatever, and now we go. Okay, we know this one was was stable. Let's go back to this, and then go back to the you know back to the dev, the dev side of things. So yeah, and, and that's something that we we kind of accidentally implemented, right? Re yeah, no, well, not 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 the ability to reimage, but like uh, the ability to go back in time because a lot yeah. of, a lot of people who are using Docker, they'll just use like the latest tag. And if they push a new version, the latest, mm -hmm. and then they pull that latest mm -hmm. in, they can't go back. Right? That's why we originally had the um, you have to do it all the way over again thing, because each 
image on cycle was that atomic snapshot, you know, kind the of point, point in time. time. Yep. Yep. That's the words I was looking for, point in time. Snapshot's a good one too though. There we go, we're working them all in. <laughs> but that, you know, and then that's what facilitated this whole, I can re-image this and then I can look at this list and I can look at the timestamp if yep. I don't know the name or if I'm a developer that wasn't the one that built it, but I know like when it worked last, I can kind of pick and, yep. and be able to get back to that working state. Um, so that's cool that you had that experience. Yep. And now with image sources, we get, we have both plus the addition of pipelines to kind of tie it all together. Yeah, the image source and being able to pull from that real quick when saving that token was super time to, uh, time saver too. Yeah, we did. Uh, that was a, a big change we made back in I think was that February or March. How's it say about yeah? Uh, where uh, we we made it so that you no longer have to put in your auth credentials every time you want to pull an image again. You yeah, you start as an image source. Yep, and poof, done. Yep, uh, and th that was a big change to implement. Like, and we actually. We decided to do that in three days. Well, huh. we should almost, we should almost, I should almost get up and let Grady sit down and talk about implementing image sources twice in three days because he had to implement it into the current build plus what he was working on. Plus we were doing like weeks of, because we had to do a pretty intense QA for that. I mean, obviously with a change so dynamic as moving images to one thing and, it, and creating a, a whole new image sources. We had to make sure that it was going to be perfect um, and, and work every time. So that was, I will, I will again give Grady in the back row there props on image sources. That was, a, that was an incredible, <laughs> that was an incredible job on image sources. <laughs> that was an incredible couple of weeks. Um, and it was really, really fun to see and, and work through. It was. And uh, then um, it's always good to hear, obviously, if uh, the end user is getting something out of it. It's worked every time. Um, Excellent. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, right, there's only so many hours in the day, and the tools you use are supposed to save you time. Yep. And I probably say this all too often, and it'll, you know, kind of sounds like just beating our own drum here, but it's shouldn't require a specialist to implement uh, an abstraction, right? So you buy this tool that's supposed to abstract something away, and then all of a sudden you have to hire someone just to use the tool, as opposed to just being able to do it, so. I think, that, I think that's now episode three with that. Probably the third time. I say it <laughs> all the time. You need a shirt with it, man. I should, I'll, I'll, I'll get we one. We have like four shirt ideas today. <laughs> we so do, man. Can yeah. I? We'll sh let's shut this down, let's start a shirt company. <laughs> I have a press in, uh, up in Tahoe, I have a press in my friend's garage. That it's is just, very, that is very. <laughs> it's just, uh, it's just sitting there. So if we want to make shirts, let us know in the comments we know a guy. Yeah. what we should put we know a guy. on each shirt. And uh, that's probably a cue that we are at time because we're talking about t-shirts Yeah, we're now. talking about t-shirts now. So, um, yeah, I mean, uh, unless you have anything else to add, uh, it's been great having you on the, the, the podcast. Oh, how, oh. how do people find you um, on the internet? Uh, we have really killer search engine optimization on our website. Feel free to type in any keywords you want to come find us. No, uh, <laughs> you know, a lot of, uh, it's a, it's a good question. I, just, I most, deserve most that. Most people in, that are dev shops in town don't do what we do. Mm -hmm. uh, they typically roll things out on WordPress pretty quickly and come up with, you know, they stack all their solutions on top of a WordPress platform mm -hmm. where we don't. We, we like to find out what the problem is, then build the right solution. So, um, to answer your question, not a lot of people do what we do, so we like to, we like the hard stuff. Bring us the stuff that's real difficult. Bring us the stuff that we have to get in the nitty gritty of your business and understand the flow, so we can come up with a custom solution for you. And if someone wanted to find you via oh, a edgwebdesign.com. 
Are you on Instagram? Any social? Anything else you want to plug? Nope, just the website's good. <laughs> Red Hot. I have social channels, but you know we're we're all dev shop, so uh, you know, a whole lot more. You keep me. it lean and mean. That's right. I get all my public publicity through Cycle. I mean, we do. <laughs> we, we we promote the uh, the the dev shops that just do really incredible work. We try to promote, especially when um, projects come in and they need to be completed. Um, our team is so focused on platform and portal that it's impossible, and uh, we have. You know, you and a couple other uh, shops that just really, really uh, push projects through really quickly. It's been so fun because we've actually been working on a, a project that I keep alluding to, and maybe someday we'll have you back and we can talk about it. With everybody. Um, and it's, it's always been super interesting to see how different dev shops uh, approach projects. And I don't know how much of your process I can uh, expose to people, but the amount of time that you've spent up front just really finding out, like, what is the thing you're trying to solve and what are all the different ways that that can um, look in like day-to-day -day around the office and things like that yeah so i think it's it's a good point i think that's one of the you know advantages i have personally is my degree is a business degree it's not a computer science degree yeah so in, in my experience at the hospital too it was all about workflows understanding how the end user is going to use it and all that stuff so i got to bring all this experience and knowledge together to really understand the business process mm -hmm. and then i know the technology side too and what do we apply to this to create something that's really going to make a difference in your day-to-day -day operations so yeah so a lot of time up front understanding the user roles what the user roles are doing what's the functionality behind it what are the edge cases uh, you could, and i talk i try to talk to all the user roles what are you spending a lot of time on is there something we can automate is there something we could put a front-end validation on to save you on the back end you know some of these other things that yeah, I mean, things evolve over time, but and they always change. But if you put that time in up front, you're going to have a really good understanding of what the project should do at the end. Yeah, yeah. And then by the time you get to launch, you have this product that's, you know, we'll say semi-complete because, like you said, things are always flexible and they're going to change when you get feedback from the users. And then hopefully Cycle provides you that, you know, super easy way to update that app yep. um, so that it's just really, like you said, easy to sync up with your release on the mobile um, if you're deploying a back end or if it's just a web application. Yep. So, can't this wait to. Super easy. I like that. Uh, I, I just take so much pride in the fact that we allow people to not have to care about a whole bunch of other stuff. Like, just being able to, I mean, I mean, just, you know, hearing you talk about that process, like, it's, it's, it's nice, I mean, it's exciting. Uh, you know, it, it shows that you really care about your clients and what you're working on and you take pride in that. And it's nice to just be able to play a part in that process of saying, well, you know, you you're you're so focused on those things, um, you shouldn't have to worry about managing your infrastructure and things. So it's, right. it's just it's just you know it's one of those things that, to be able to take pride in of being able to to help other people do what they do better. Uh, I, you I, guys I definitely that. do that. Yeah, well, thank you. Um, and so so BDG uh, uh, web design, uh, dot com. Without the us. Without the us. If you type that in, that will not work. Although it might search, they could potentially. I'll go buy that domain and forward it real quick. Can you get that still? Sure, I'm going to do that. BDG, uh, web design, uh, <laughs> That's kind of like, uh, you know, Google bought, uh, I don't know, every iteration of Google, the word. All the different O's. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. I remember the first time I thought that I could potentially buy, like, a malformed Google domain, and I was like, oh, my God, I'm a genius. And I got, this is brilliant. And then I went to Taken. Google to Taken. search for, like, a yeah, yep. GoDaddy or something which is ironic in itself. Anyways, um, <laughs> thank you all so much for joining us this week. 
Thank you so much for sitting in. Thank yeah, you. thanks for having um, me. It was a lot of fun. Really appreciate you coming and joining us. If you are uh, having fun, leave us a comment or a like or wherever you found us, leave some kind of interaction. We love to hear from the people that are uh, listening to this podcast and we hope that you're getting a lot of value out of it. If there's any awesome suggestions of stuff that you'd love to hear about, uh, definitely leave that in the comments as well. Uh, but I think for this week, that's all. Thank you so much. Thank you.